Hi, I'm Emily. Hi, I'm Matt. We're married and we live in Central Florida. And we both really like politics. Every time you get on Facebook, watch the news, or gather around the family table for dinner, you can watch conversations devolve into nasty arguments with name-calling, insult trading, and subsequent unfriending. And while it would be impossible to agree with everyone all the time about everything, we at least thought people should be able to have civil conversations. So that's what this podcast is, an attempt by us to have civil conversations focused on a wide range of political topics. Because if we can do it, so can you. Thank you for joining us again. During our last episode, we covered the history of televised presidential debates and discussed how presidential debates are planned and run by the Commission on Presidential Debates. And this is important stuff to know, so if you haven't listened to that episode yet, be sure to double back and listen to that one first. A bit of warning. This episode will probably be more opinionated than we hope to normally be, but we did our best to clarify what during this episode is opinion and what is fact. So buckle up and hold on tight, because today we're diving headfirst into a dumpster fire. We're covering the first 2020 presidential debate. Okay, so we've gotten through the history of debates a little bit. Very valuable information there. What we're going to do now is talk about both debates. So we'll go over the presidential debate first, and then we'll discuss the vice presidential debate. We're going to do a little bit of fact checking. Um, We each picked some of the statements that the candidates made, and we're going to talk about the validity of those statements and also talk about some of the things they they didn't answer. There were quite a few questions dodged. Um, So hopefully this information will be helpful for those of you that either missed the debate or didn't understand a lot of the tumultuous comments that were going around. We're going to attempt to uh, peel back some of the layers here. So before we do that, we're going to do a couple quick plugs for places where we found fact-checking information. Which is really great because I don't know about you, but I do not have the time to sit there and fact-check every single thing that comes out of candidates' mouths. I would be here forever. Um, And so fact-checking websites are a great place to start to kind of get a sounding board as to what claims you should be looking at and maybe where else you can go and you can look at their sources to do deeper research. So by all means, don't use this as the end-all be-all, but definitely give these sites um, a look at and we'll have them linked in our show notes below. Uh, One of my favorites is PolitiFact and it's a nonpartisan fact-checking website that was established in 2007 and in 2018 was acquired by the Pointner Institute, which is a nonprofit school for journalists. And you can see all their information online about who donates to them um, and the grants they receive and that kind of thing. Uh, They don't accept donations from anonymous sources, political parties, elected officials, or anything like that. So I think they're pretty good and I've enjoyed using their website over the years to kind of fact check candidates. Yeah. Another great one I use is factcheck.org. Both PolitiFact and factcheck.org are very close to center in the media bias spectrum, which we have a link to in our show notes. The media bias spectrum is a great resource for evaluating where do your media sources lie on a political bias scale? So I admit, I kind of got into a discussion, <laughs> we'll call it, with Emily about PolitiFact. I thought they were very left-leaning. And after doing some research and using the media bias spectrum, I was able to see that PolitiFact is actually pretty close to the center, a little more left than I would like. <laughs> but both factcheck.org and PolitiFact are great resources. They're very factual. They're focused on factual reporting. They try to keep any bias out of the statements they make and are very good. Uh, you know, they're very worth your time. You should definitely check them out. So with that said, let's get on to the presidential debate. Yeah. So just some 
quick facts because I know this is what you were all wondering. Um, but I did some some research and some poking around and uh, came up with a fun number. Um, you want to guess how many times Trump interrupted Biden during the presidential debate? Oh, man. I'm going to guess it was a lot. A lot. 73 times. And uh, yeah, Biden ended up speaking for 43 minutes and Trump spoke for 38 minutes. Interesting. He interrupted him several times, but he couldn't speak over him. (laughs) That's too bad. Yeah. Uh, The longest time a subject was discussed was 20 minutes. And that subject was coronavirus. I think probably as it should be given the state of the world. So the first claim that I kind of wanted to get into and talk about um, was something that Democratic uh, presidential nominee Joe Biden said, um, and he falsely charged the Trump administration with not sending experts to Wuhan, China at the start of this outbreak uh, during the early stages of the pandemic, which is simply not true. Uh, Health and Human Services Secretary uh, publicly stated several times that contact had been made with the Chinese government and an offer of help had been extended. Uh, In mid-February, a World Health Organization team that included one official from the CDC and another official from the National Institute of Health um, were able to travel to Wuhan for nine days. And then that team collectively issued a 40-page report on February 28th, about two weeks before the World Health Organization declared the coronavirus outbreak a pandemic. And Trump himself also made statements regarding speaking with Chinese President Xi Jinping about sending American experts to China in late March. So while it may seem uh, that the Trump administration has had some struggles getting a hold of coronavirus and handling its aftermath or ongoing effects, I guess you should say, efforts have been made to send American experts to the Chinese to lend help and kind of get a grasp on things. So I wanted to make sure that we clarified that. Okay, cool. So another thing um, Vice President Biden said was that Trump was, quote, in the Supreme Court right now trying to get rid of the Affordable Care Act and that there's 100 million people who have pre-existing conditions and they'll be taken away as well. Those pre-existing conditions, insurance companies are going to love this, end quote. So Trump replied, there aren't 100 million people with pre-existing conditions. So in fact, there are 100 million people with pre-existing conditions, not including those with Medicare or Medicaid coverage, according to some estimates. Not all of them agree. It's unclear what Biden meant when he said they'll be taken away as well. But if the ACA were nullified, those individuals would lose the pre-existing condition protections in that law. But only those who seek coverage on the individual market, the place where those who do not have employer or publicly provided insurance buy an insurance plan, would be at risk of being denied insurance. That's not to say Trump has had some other laws where he's claimed that he's going to protect pre-existing conditions. You know, we're not trying to say that is or isn't true right now. We're just talking about the 100 million Americans with pre-existing conditions and they would lose those protections defined as they are defined by the Affordable Care Act. Only talking about the Affordable Care Act here. Yeah. In a very specific (laughs) niche case. Yep. Um, And then moving on to another thing that Biden said that is kind of related to the Affordable Care Act. And that subject is kind of related to what's going on currently. There's been a lot of talk about how Trump's Supreme Court nomination would rule or handle any cases that deal with the ACA. Um, She's Amy Coney Barrett, and she's been nominated by the president to fill Ruth Bader Ginsburg's Supreme Court seat. And during the debate, Biden said that Trump's Supreme Court nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, has written that she thinks the Affordable Care Act is not constitutional 
And that's not true. She did heavily critique the court's ruling on the ACA, and she went so far as to say that classifying the mandate as a tax, quote, lacks democratic legitimacy. And this is really sticky, so I think you really need to be careful here with legal jargon, especially because lawyers are so careful with selecting words with direct intent and purpose. And I think we'll probably find out more about Amy Coney Barrett's intent and feelings toward the ACA in this week's confirmation hearings that are ongoing on Capitol Hill. So you can watch those at home and decide for yourselves how she feels about the Affordable Care Act. But she didn't write that it was unconstitutional, just that she disagreed with the classification of the mandate. And I definitely think it's important given how detailed and intricate legal writings can be that we don't misappropriate her words or even worse, put words in her mouth. Right. Yeah. I think context is important there. She she wasn't happy with the fee people would be charged if they didn't have insurance. Correct. Um, not to say she didn't think anything else one way or another. We'll be probably talking more about the Supreme Court soon, and I'm sure that we'll address Amy Coney Barrett. But yeah, for now, she didn't say specifically that she thought the Affordable Care Act was unconstitutional. Okay, so now we're going to move on to some of the things President Trump claimed. Trump repeatedly claimed that when Biden was spearheading the 1994 crime bill, he called African Americans super predators, and they've never forgotten it. Actually, that was a phrase famously uttered by Hillary Clinton, not Biden. Clinton used the phrase in a 1996 speech at New Hampshire's Keene State College in support of the 1994 crime bill, but no evidence has been found of Biden using those words. Definitely an important distinction there to make. I know the president frequently uh, brings up and talks about uh, Hillary Clinton, even though she is no longer (laughs) running for president. (laughs) (laughs) But those words were something that she said, not Biden said. Not to say that those words were a good choice of words. We just want to make sure that those words are attributed to the right person. Of course. So another issue that has been frequently poked at by opponents of President Trump are his campaign rallies. Trump has claimed that his recent campaign rallies have all been outdoors. And while he has had many outdoor rallies, he has held indoor rallies as well, specifically in Nevada and Oklahoma in recent months. Trump held a rally on June 20th at the Bank of Oklahoma Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma, an arena where officials scanned tickets and said that the crowd totaled 6,200 people. Notably, Herman Cain attended that rally and later tested positive for COVID-19 and would ultimately pass away from complications related to the coronavirus. So we hope Herman Cain rests in peace, obviously not trying to disparage him in any way here, but... That rally was definitely indoors in the height of a global pandemic. Yeah. And if you caught the uh, the SNL skit about the vice presidential debate, Herman Cain was the other fly that ended up landing on Mike Pence's head just to put some pop culture in context in case you weren't sure who Herman Cain was. Uh, he was a former Republican presidential uh, hopeful and the founder for Black Voices for Trump and unfortunately um, passed away due to COVID complications. So... Right. So on September 13th, about 5,600 supporters gathered to hear President Trump speak at Extreme Manufacturing, a warehouse, enclosed with walls warehouse, in (laughs) Henderson, Nevada, despite a state rule prohibiting gatherings of more than 50 people. Many people in the crowd were not wearing masks, and the company was fined by the city for multiple violations. So, 
while Trump may have had a window open or two at some of his rallies, there have definitely been indoor rallies that have not been socially distanced or enforcing the use of masks to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Definitely. And the next uh, Trump claim that I wanted to make sure that we mentioned uh, was when Trump talked about Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden. And he said that Hunter Biden was dishonorably discharged for cocaine use from the military. And that is false. Hunter Biden uh, received an administrative discharge, not a dishonorable one, from the U.S. Navy Reserve in 2013 after testing positive for cocaine. Uh, The Navy didn't release the discharge status of low-ranking officers, but Biden disclosed that he had been administratively discharged in 2014. Dishonorable discharges are reserved for service members who have engaged in what the military considers the most reprehensible conduct, like sexual assault and murder, while administrative discharges are handed down for transgressions the military deems less serious. And I thought this was just important to point out because I think the amount of people that unfortunately struggle with the opioid epidemic in America. Um, I don't want those people to feel shame or to uh, only see themselves as that, as drug addicts. And so I thought it was really admirable what Joe Biden said. Uh, He said, my son, like a lot of people, like a lot of people I know at home had a drug problem. He has overtaken it. He has fixed it. I am proud of him. So I thought that was a great response uh, because we should be praising people who have been able to overcome that and conquer that and not faulting people for those issues. And I definitely don't think that it was okay for the president. This is personal opinion here. This isn't a fact. Uh, But I don't believe that it was okay for Trump to uh, take shots at Biden by holding up something that his son did. And I was impressed that Biden did not turn around and do the same because I'm sure Trump's children are not perfect either. So I appreciate that Biden did not turn around and do the same, but I personally don't believe that Trump should have said this, especially because it was false. Definitely a low moment. So moving on to what is maybe the most uh, talked about and cited segment of the presidential debate um, was a conversation about white supremacy. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy is right. And so there's been a lot of different interpretations and analysis done on the media of if Trump came out and condemned white supremacy, if he took too long, if he hesitated, what he thought, what was happening. And so I went and found a transcript of the debate and thought we would read it to you verbatim so that you can make up your mind at home and listen to it again um, in in a slowed down, a little more easy to understand fashion as we won't be (laughs) interrupting one another as we read this out to you. Um, And then we'll also give you our personal feelings on it. But I just wanted to make sure that the the actual words that were spoken uh, could be put on the table, as it were, so that people at home can make up their own minds. Yep. Okay, so I'll start and I will read what Wallace, the moderator, said, and then we'll kind of go down the line from there for the interaction. Sounds good. So Wallace said, are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland? Trump said, sure, I'm willing to do that. Biden said, do it. Wallace said, go ahead, sir. Trump said, but I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the white wing. Wallace said, what are you saying? Trump said, I am willing to do anything. I want to see peace. Wallace said, then do it, sir. Biden said, say it, do it, say it. Trump said, you want to call them? What do you want me to call them? Give me a name. Give me a name. 
Go ahead. Who do you want me to contemn? Who? Wallace said, white supremacists and right-wing militias. Biden said, white supremacists, proud boys, proud boys. Trump said, proud boys, stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, somebody has got to do something about Antifa and the left, because this is not a right-wing problem. This is a left-wing. This is a left-wing problem. Okay, a lot to unpack here. <laughs> yeah, so that's a, ironically enough, that's a relatively short interaction. Um, oh yeah, that whole conversation happened in like five seconds. Yeah, but there's enough going on in there that it, you could take days to pick that to pieces and analyze every word. Yeah, okay, so we'll both give our opinion here about what happened. Trump was asked to condemn white supremacists, specifically the Proud Boys, and he kind of didn't. He said... Proud boys, stand back and stand by. This is my opinion. Emily is going to share her opinion. This is what I think. I do not think President Trump was asking the Proud Boys to ready themselves and arm themselves and prepare for battle. I do not think he condemned them, which he should have. It is unacceptable for him to condone or support any kind of white supremacists or people that use violence to suppress other people. That's unacceptable. I feel that Trump was probably feeling a little overwhelmed in that very brief second. I know this is open to interpretation, and he just, the guy has no filter. He just said exactly (laughs) what was in his mouth. He said, stand back and stand by. It happened very quickly. It could be interpreted as saying, you know, stand back, as in get away, stand by, as in like be on standby, What does standby mean? I don't know. Can it be interpreted as stand there and wait for me to tell you to do something bad? Yeah, totally. Standby was not strong enough wording. He clearly lost on an opportunity to calm the fears of a lot of people by flat out condemning them. He should have done it. He didn't do it. It was very disappointing. However, in my opinion, I don't think he was saying proud boys arm up. I think he just kind of had a Freudian slip, did not speak clearly which is unfortunate because as the president, he needs to speak clearly. I think this is a very frequent problem that President Trump has is that he, you know, he's got a motor mouth. He just speaks his mind too clearly. (laughs) Maybe that's a good thing that we are able to see his thoughts so clearly, but this was obviously a mistake and he should have condemned the Proud Boys. He should have condemned white supremacists and not expressed support for them in any way. I agree with you. He did not use strong enough language. I think it would have been much clearer and easier to understand if he had simply said, I condemn white supremacists and I condemn the Proud Boys. Yep. A much easier, much simpler statement than we would have. No qualms or worries about where he stood on that. I think the fact that he hesitated, I think the fact that he didn't come right out and say it is uh, frankly abhorrent. Um, And whether or not he knows the the impact of his words, he is the president of the United States. He's held this office um, for several years now. And if he hasn't figured out the impact of what he says, then I, another term will not teach it to him, in my opinion. And even just that Freudian slip, I don't think you can afford to make those slips when it comes to white supremacy and matters of of such importance, especially when given just a few weeks before this debate, the FBI director was on Capitol Hill and said in a hearing on domestic security that white supremacy 
poses one of the biggest threats to the American public currently. And so I think it's just such an important issue given the current climate and given everything going on in the world. I think it should have been such an easy, almost a reflex response from him to just condemn it, to say that that's not okay, that that's not the America we want. And whether he intended to or not, we'll never know what he meant by stand back and stand by. You're right. We we don't know. For all the words that come out of his mouth, we don't know exactly what goes on in the president's head. Um, but just going on social media afterwards and watching the backlash and seeing some of the things that the Proud Boys tweeted and that some of the Proud Boys supporters tweeted, it was clear to me that they interpreted that message maybe in a different way than the president intended, maybe in the way that he did intend it. Um, but it was definitely a response that was full of anger and hatred and not one that was full of respect or peace, which is what I think the country needs right now. And so I was disappointed in his reaction. And I think that the leader of the free world and the president of these great United States should respond better to direct questions like these. I agree. So the last thing I'll say on the matter is in the past, and I'm not trying to excuse his actions or statements during the debate, but for those curious, Trump has condemned white supremacy in the past. There are links in our show notes for some articles where you can read that for yourself. You can read it in his own words that Trump has condemned white supremacists in the past. Should he have done it here clearly? Yes, this was the opportunity for him to really kind of wash his hands of the whole thing, but he really botched this and did not. So it's a very, very horrible situation. So we will now kind of put a closer <laughs> <that> end <laughs> to our opinion related segment so thank you for sitting through that if you did if you uh fast forwarded through that i also don't blame you if you're just here for news and and fact checking and a little more uh, of analysis and and not our opinions i totally understand but if you listen to that thank you and we're gonna kind of get back to looking into what candidates said and kind of looking at the validity of their statements now so right <laughs> thanks for bearing with us on that we hope this was helpful in understanding what exactly was said during the first presidential debate I know there was a lot of crosstalk and interruptions from both candidates, and at times, the moderator. So hopefully, us breaking things down in this episode helped you make sense of things. We're going to take a quick break before delving into the next episode, and you should too. Be sure to grab some water, take your vitamins, because next episode, we're going to jump into the vice presidential debate. Goodbye for now. Bye.